All right, good morning. Everybody, y'all can go and have a seat. There you go. Good deal. You don't want to stand for the whole service. I know you don't. All right, hey, good deal. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Can you tell the praise band thank you? Amen. They are awesome. They are awesome. I'm, I'm slowly falling in love with Trey and his guitar over there. You know, being from the 60s, you know, we had those electric guitars back in those days, you know. I didn't personally play one, but I knew they had them. Anyways, that's really cool. And I want to let you know something, too. This is a great crowd, and we are so glad that you are here. And I'm glad to report, man, we had a great crowd in our first service, too. God's doing good things, and we are grateful for the Dorisville family. Amen? All right, yeah, I'm telling you what, this is good. This is great. All right, well, listen, we are blessed today. Uh, we have our favorite missionaries in the whole wide world here with us. All right, well, at least Sonia anyway and Madison. We're not sure about James. We're still working on James. But these are the folks that we work with on the, uh, the islands of Lake Victoria, and we haven't seen them since January, and they're home on furlough, and we are privileged and pleased to have them with us today. This is uh, James, and the, the beautiful young lady is Madison. No, no, Sonia, 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 and then Madison. And when I met Madison, now, Madison, you, listen, Madison, you remember what you did in the early church? Do it again, okay? When I met Madison, she was only about three years old, and she did not know what to do with me, but she likes me now. There you go. <laughs> but we really are. We're just so pleased to have you guys. We love working in Uganda, and we love working with these folks. And so, so glad to have you guys at Dorisville. Amen. Now, in first service, in first service, James looked like a Baptist preacher. And now he's got this white thing on. So he's not a Muslim, okay? I want you to know that. I mean, he's still Baptist, all right? So, James, come up here, buddy. Um, if you look around the building and you see socks laying around, Okay, that's because he blessed our socks off. <laughs> All right, James, come on up, buddy. He did. Make him feel welcome. traditional uh, garment that you wear for special occasions, and our coming here is a special occasion, so. Uh, well, uh, Pastor, I have a little bit more time, so I'm going to take a little bit of time. That, uh, and first of all, I want to say thank you as a church uh, for your supporting us as your missionaries in Uganda. Um, your support through the corporate program and your support through the Light of Moon Christmas offerings, offerings allow us to do the work that God has called us to do. And we don't take this for granted. And we like to thank, when we, when we visit our churches that support us, we thank them personally but what they have done, their prayers, and their giving, their going, and this is a church that have gone, they've been there, they supported us, they helped us, and uh, we want to let you know we really appreciate it, and we thank all, thank you for what you have done, and what you are doing, planning to do. Uh, I also like to thank my wife Sonia, 
And uh, I'm going to just have Sonia come up and just say a few words. Good morning. <laughs> I bring you greetings from Jinja, Uganda, where Jesus is still Lord. Amen. We are so thankful to be here. We, um, we have a family of five. We have two daughters, Madison, and we have a daughter named Barbara, who is in Uganda. She's 25 years old, and we have three adult sons here in America. When we went to Uganda almost 12 years ago, we had no grandchildren, but now we have five grandchildren, and we have uh, two daughter-in-laws. And so it is our just, what a great blessing to be here with you today. And as a, as a missionary wife, you never know what your husband is going to call on you to do and when he's going to call on you to do it. So, uh, thank you. And yes, uh, that, that was something lacking in this morning. I forgot to mention my family and everything. So, thank you, Sonia, for doing that. Uh, first of all, let's start off with a word of prayer. Let's, let's pray. Lord, just thank you now for this time we have together. Thank you for this church and all that they have done, all that they plan to do, dear Lord. We pray your blessing upon them. Thank you, Lord, for the leadership, and we just pray, Lord, you continue to guide and direct this church to be an on-mission church. We thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, how you're going to use us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would take your Bible and turn to the book of Romans. Romans, the 10th chapter, verses 5 through 17. So we have a question. How are they to preach unless they are sent? What is the missing link in the task of bringing the good news to a world that desperately needs to hear it? The number of people who have no access to the gospel is getting larger every day. Right now, there are more than 7 billion people in the world. Of that 7 billion, only 4% profess to be evangelical Christians. 
Billions of people live in places or among people groups where the gospel is unknown. These people have never seen a church and never met a Christian. There are no Bibles available for them to read. They would grow up, live, and die without ever hearing the truth about who Jesus is and what he had done. These people would face the judgment seat of God based on their own record of sin. And in a perfect justice, they will be condemned. Our missionary efforts are not keeping up with the growth of the world's population. And we are certainly not completing the task of making disciples of all people groups on earth. What is the key to turning that around? According to this passage, the scriptures, however, you are that key. You are the missing component in the missionary enterprise. You are, as a church that loves Jesus and believes his word, are the essential ingredients in getting the gospel to all the people of the earth. Now, we're going to look at the book of Romans in its, in its context. To understand, let's look at first at the context of the passage in the book of Romans. Rome was a missionary support letter. This book that Paul read to Rome is a missionary support letter. The Apostle Paul wrote it to a church he did not start and that he had never visited. He did not, he did so because he needed their help to carry out his missionary calling. He had spent years sharing the gospel and gathering church in the eastern region of the Roman Empire. He now wanted to go to Spain at the other end of the Mediterranean Sea because no one has taken the gospel there yet. In order to get there, he needed to pass through Rome, which was right in the middle of the route. He hoped that the church in Rome, which had been started by an anonymous Christian, at some point during the, the decade since Christ died and rose again, he hoped that they would be a missionary sending partner with him. He hoped that they would receive him and help him on his way. He wrote the letter to them, the things that they needed to know about what he believed. And what he preached. So, the, so they can feel comfortable in supporting his ministry. In this process, Paul 
laid out one of the most thorough presentations of the gospel that we find in the New Testament. The letter began with a devastating expose of the problem which the gospel solved. The problem is sin. The nature of sin is rebellion against God. And everyone on earth is a sinner. No one is righteous. No one seeks after God. No one does good. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, a good religious person, or a rank pagan. Every person in the world has rebelled against God. And as a result, everyone deserves God's judgment. We have gotten ourselves into a mess that we cannot get out of. We need righteousness to stand before God, but we are not righteous. We are sinners. If this was the end of the story, we will have no hope. However, God has done an amazing thing. He has given us his own righteousness as a free gift. He did this through, his, through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus redeemed us by living a complete righteous life and then dying the death we deserve to die. Taking on himself the wrath of God that we deserve to receive. He took the guilt and punishment of our sin and gave us his righteousness as a free gift. We receive this gift not by working for it or earning it, but simply by believing in him and turning and trusting him to save us. This is the heart of the gospel. And this is the message Paul preached. Jesus, the Messiah, God himself in human flesh, becoming a man to be our substitute living the life we should have lived, and then dying the death we deserve to die. He rose from the dead as the conquering king and lord of lords. Everyone deserved condemnation from God. But everyone who believes in Jesus and trusts in him for salvation will be saved. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. This brings us to our text, Romans 10. In this passage, Paul draws a direct line between his understanding of the gospel and his ministry as a missionary. First, he spelled out again what a person must do to be saved. If you confess with your mouth 
that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 9. This involves both inward belief and outward confession. It encompasses both who Jesus is. Jesus is Lord. And what Jesus did, he died and rose again. A person is saved when by believing in the person and work of Jesus Christ and by confessing to the world that he is our Lord Jesus just to make it plain how free and universal this offer is, this offer of salvation is. Paul emphasized saying, everyone who called on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 10, 13. And Paul said early in the book of Romans that sinful people are justified by faith and not by their works. This is what it means. Jesus is Lord. He is God himself in human flesh. The sovereign king of the universe. He died as a sacrifice for our sin and rose again from the dead. Everyone who called on his name and put their trust in him is saved from their sin. The missionary logic of the gospel. At this point, Paul applied divine inspired logic to the gospel as he has preached. He does, he does so through a series of questions. The first question is, how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? In other words, just saying words is not enough. Repeating a prayer that does not reflect the conviction of your heart would not save you. Yes, you must call on Jesus to save you, but you must call on him from a believing heart. We are saved by grace through faith. The plan of salvation requires that sinners believe that Jesus, before any word from their mouth, can do them any good. You must believe that Jesus is and what he has done. The second question begins to transition from the context, the content of the gospel to the imperative of mission. How are they to believe in whom, in him of whom they have never heard? The expected answer of this is they can't. Saving faith has a specific content. You have to hear about Jesus, who he is, what he did, in order to believe in him. Saving faith is not a vague, general confidence in the goodness of God. No, it is a 
But saving faith is confident trust in a specific message, in a specific person, with a specific name of Jesus. No one can be saved if they never heard the message of the gospel. This is the greatest need of every man, woman, child on earth, to hear and believe the good news about Jesus. The third question, complete the transition of the necessity of mission. How are they to hear without someone preaching? Again, the obvious answer is they can't. No one can hear the gospel unless someone tells them. God did not give the task of evangelism to angels. The message of the gospel cannot be figured out by intuition, by studying nature. The only way anyone can be saved is for someone who knows the gospel to go to them and tell them. This is God's plan for the salvation of the world. This is why Jesus told his followers that they would be his witnesses from the place where they stood to the very end of the earth. God's method of saving sinners is for his people to go to every people group in every place in the world to tell everyone the glorious good news about who Jesus is and what he has done. Only those who hear can believe. Only those who believe and call on his name and call on the name of the Lord and only those who call on the name of the Lord can be saved. After 2,000 years, you might think that we are at least close to finishing the task. We are not. As I already mentioned, there are literally millions, billions of people who have no access to the gospel. Every day, we estimate over 150,000 people die without ever hearing the gospel. Those people have no hope because they have never heard about Jesus. They have never believed in him. And because they have never believed in him, they are not saved. There is no plan B. There is no way to be reconciled to God apart from hearing and believing the good news. They must hear to be saved. The responsibility of making sure that they have heard the gospel belongs to those of us who already know it. If you believe the biblical gospel, you also have to believe in the absolute necessity of mission. The fourth question to add a new wrinkle to the logic of the gospel. How are they to preach unless they are sent? Individual Christians, by their 
by and large, are not in a position to get up and move to another continent by themselves. They must be sent. There must be a group of believers who train them as disciples, who discern and affirm their call, and who gather the resources to send them. That group is called a church. And this is where everyone in the room comes into the picture. Missionary must be sent. And they must be sent by churches like Dodgeville Baptist Church. Missionary. Now, agencies like the International Mission Board exist to serve local church in sending and supporting missionaries. But the responsibility lies with the church as a local church that loves Jesus and believes the gospel. They are the key to fulfillment of the Great Commission. How do you sin? In practical terms, what does it look like to be a sinning church? I would like to challenge you to apply this text of scripture to the life of your church by doing each of the following. First, pray. We are convinced that prayer is essential in the, to the success of the missionary task. God moves and responds to prayer. We are not, we may not understand how it works, but God has commanded us to pray. And all of us have testimony to the way that God has acted incredible ways through prayer. How should you pray? Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. Pray that God will open doors for workers to go into a place where they have been closed to the gospel. Pray for your missionary to have grace, courage, endurance, and joy. Pray for their marriage and their children. Pray that God will keep them faithful in serving and sharing the gospel. And that he would accompany, accompany their work with his power to save. Pray through the news, knowing what, that everything that happens either is an obstacle or an opportunity for our missionary around the world. Pray for the missionary faithfulness to your, our church. The International Mission Board has incredible resources to help you 
in this ministry of prayer. Go to the IMB website, imb.org, and click on the prayer button. I would encourage you to incorporate prayer for mission in every gathering of your church. From the Sunday morning service to small group Bible study, be praying, be a praying church that pray for missionaries and pray for the nations. Next, give. Yes, I'm talking about money. Did you know that we as Southern Baptists have one of the most incredible missionary support mechanisms in the world? It takes money to send and support a missionary. Most missionaries from other agencies have to go from church to church and friend to friend asking for financial support. It can take a year for a missionary to raise enough money to go on the field. And once they have moved overseas, their support typically bring them bring to, to drop, begin to drop until they must leave the, the ministry and return to the state to raise money and support all over again. Southern Baptists decided to do things differently. We all raise support for all of us. We do this through two channels. One channel is called the cooperative program. Our churches give money each year to a denominational wide pool. And that money is divided between your state convention or a sixth university, our North American Mission Board, a few other agencies, and the International Mission Board. This provides a little over half of a third of the money needed to support our overseas mission, missionary. The second challenge is called the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. 100% of this offering goes to support our missionaries around the world. Because of this system, IMB, uh, International Mission Board missionaries, can concentrate on what God called them to do in reaching the nation with the gospel without feeling that they would no longer be able to take care of their families. Let me urge you to give generously to the Light and Moon Christmas offering. Even as you continue to give as a church through the corporate program, we have unprecedented opportunity to take the gospel to the nation. We have qualified candidates who want to go. We have a goal of increasing our missionary force by a a net total of 500 missionaries in the next five years. To do so, we need to fund to send them. We celebrate Jesus Christ's birthday just let's make sure that the biggest receipt of our generosity is the cause which, in which he came. Third, send. Send your members overseas. 
Send them short-term. Send them long-term. Develop a partnership with a missionary team on the field and find ways to bless and help that team. And you at Darsfield, you have done that. Continue to do that. Expand it. Since short-term mission trips that help that help to the worker on the ground. So they have shown that people who go on mission trips pray more, give more, and are more likely to go long-term themselves. Be a sending church. Encourage each other to get involved. Raise your children and grandchildren to think it's a glorious thing to go to the nation. Be known as a church that sins. Finally, go. Don't just send others. Pray seriously about going yourself. For most of us, our default is to stay where we are unless God does something extraordinary. Let us flip this on its head. Don't ask, why should I go? Instead, ask, why shouldn't I go? After all, the command of Scripture is clear. The needs of the world are overwhelming. Our purpose for living as a Christian is to serve our King and live for His glory. I challenge everyone in this room to go to God in prayer before this day is over and honestly ask him, why shouldn't I go? The gospel that saved us also compelled us to share it with others. That is the conclusion Paul reached in his letter to the Romans. Most of this amazing book of the Bible consists of a thorough, systematic explanation of the gospel. Paul went to such great deal, I believe, for two reasons. First, he wanted the church in Rome to support this missionary endeavor in Spain. He felt this was what they needed to know about him and his message in order to support him in good conscience. Second, as far as Paul was concerned, the best content of the gospel was what make missionary service imperative. Paul wrote Romans, Romans to encourage the Roman church to be an effective mission sending and missionary supporting church. The same challenge now comes to come your way. God in his grace and mercy got the gospel to you. With it come a missionary imperative. 
pray fervently for the advance of the gospel. Give generously so that missionaries can go. Send your best to the end of the earth. And before you go to bed tonight, ask God honestly, why not me? Let us pray. Why not me, Lord? Why not use me? Touch hearts, direct lives, inspire and challenge. Your belief.